How are we doing, folks? In this episode today, I'm joined by former Canadian national team head coach Rob Kober and former U.S. ski team coach Brian Zemba. And we discuss this past year's mogul season. We go through, touch on the World Cup, a little bit of the domestic national teams, and just kind of give our thoughts overall on the season and expectations for what's coming up next. Uh, really fun to have these guys on. I really appreciate them taking the time and being able to talk a little bit of shop and chat a little bit about mogul skiing. I hope you folks enjoy, and please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks. Boom goes the dynamite. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time. It's going to be fun to uh, catch up, talk a little bit of mogul skiing and how the whole season went. How's everybody doing? Good. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, thank you, Bobby. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Bobby. I literally walked into this one. <laughs> walked in. He got a good day of skiing in. You know, he's out on a little little vacation time. And it's like, hey, let's talk, let's talk a little bit of mobile skiing. And Rob, thank you for uh taking the time. Appreciate it. We might have uh I think Emerson might be dropping in. Emerson Smith. We'll see if he's able to take the time. I know he's running a little electric. He's got some housing uh plans going on. So but uh figured it's been a little bit and be good to uh just kind of touch touch on the season. I know uh kind of texted back and forth and kind of caught up with all you guys a few times during the season. I was on the road a bunch, had a, a a lot of fun this year and I just figured it would be good to get together and kind of just talk on overall thoughts of the season and uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Rob, what uh we'll start things off. What do you think like overall just impressions uh for you? Um you can take it wherever you want to go in the schedule or whatever pops into your mind. Yeah, well the nice thing, well thanks for the invite. I, sure. It's been a while. Uh I was hoping we'd uh I was hoping maybe I'd get an invite for a call or two during the season, but of course uh you had your hands full there on the yes, my tour, which is awesome. <laughs> And uh, again, I you know said it to you before, but congrats on your season, Bobby. That's really cool to see uh, the success for you and Avatol this year. Very, uh, very well done. So congratulations uh, on that. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. It's nice these days. Uh, modern technology, like most of the events for me, I was able to watch a good chunk, if not all. And uh, the stream, the live streams were were pretty good quality for me back home. Not not all not across the board, not every event, but it was mostly pretty good. And of course, you know, like I gotta, gotta pump up my guy and I, it was great to see, you know, mech back up on top and leaving no doubt, you know, kind of having a, a statement making kind of season like that. Like I'm back and I'm still the man and you better be, uh, you better be ready to play if you're coming after me. So that, that was pretty cool to see Mick, uh, back uh back on top throughout the season that that was definitely the the biggest highlight for me yeah no it was great i mean it was great to watch and it was great to um really just see him come out and execute and i think it, it, part of it part of the fun uh of being there in person and going through those ins and outs and was it was really interesting to just i felt like this year in set and you know a lot of years especially when he was under you it was kind of a runaway train and you knew he was going to win, but it was just by how much. And in this season, I think the the shocker of the year for me was actually watching him like crash. I like I never see you know in a duel in outdoor. That was definitely like the stunner of the season. I was like, did did Mick just fall? There was like a hush that like went over the yeah. like nobody expected that <laughs> to happen. Okay? It it's like, is he is he all right? Like did did Mick just? It was definitely like some some stunned silence, especially 
you know, uh, unexpectedly. And I think it was like the round of 32, you know, it wasn't even in the round of 16. Yeah. Was, I think it was right off the bat. Huh? That right was one bat. that I didn't see. They didn't stream that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we were back home. I can't remember exactly the timing of that, but I, I remember it was a busy weekend and I had everyone coming up to me asking me what happened to Mick, what happened to Mick. And I had no idea. And, uh, that I saw the video after and that was definitely a good one but the other one that was uh really scary was you know I sent sent Mick a congratulations text after the Deer Valley World Cup and he sent me the footage of this training crash like training mm -hmm. for finals mm -hmm. and holy cow like I don't ever remember him ever having a crash like that in all the years that I coached him and to come back up and and win after that one that's uh that's fairly impressive but just just glad he was okay that's uh I'm sure you know he's had a he's had a great run and hopefully he can keep it going but uh I know he's starting to feel his body more and more every year and <laughs> he can't be doing too much of that that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah as they say father time is uh is undefeated and right. he, he definitely had some uh yeah I remember that crash too I mean him and and Matt Graham I mean Matt uh who had fantastic year but he definitely took uh a little bit of a shot and I think his was like the beginning of, of training for uh duels at Deer Valley and he came out and, and skied really well uh all things all things considered a couple of those crashes that from some of those uh elder statement elder statesmen that you don't usually uh kind of see that was definitely a little bit a little bit surprising yeah the one and out by with with Mick was I think against Will Finley round of 32 and it was like a hush over the crowd and he sh shook everything off and then came back and, uh, you know, skied had such a great run in, uh, world championships and Almaty there's, uh, he really, really, um, came on and it was kind of fun to kind of watch him tinker with some different air packages and stuff like that. You know, he threw the, uh, the truck driver in Kazakhstan to finish off the season, play around a little bit. And it was good to, good to see some, uh, a little bit of variety in there, which was, uh, it was pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that one surprised me. I'd seen him do it in training before. It'll be interesting to see uh, see what else he might try to bust out moving forward. I've seen him do some pretty cool, uh, all kinds of different grabs just playing around. But uh, it's always, of course, easy to go to your default and just stick with the old reliables that, you know, are going to get the job done. But uh be fun to see some some you know to see him push that a little bit more and and the other boys as well it was like you say it was nice to see matt graham back as well he's you know i'm definitely a matt graham fan too and after uh you know his uh what happened for him going into the into the olympics it was nice to see him come back and kind of establish himself as one of the top top guys yeah no it was great he really uh uh skied fantastic all year you could kind of see him building and building and um you know i never thought i'd see somebody ski uh champion that fast his his super finals run was was pretty damn impressive uh coming down champion that was uh an awesome run and then he just kind of kept that that momentum going into world championships and two medals there finished the season um you know slick right into second in the world there and uh yeah it was great to uh great to watch and kind of be a part of um from from the coaching aspect and it was super fun to watch uh, him and Pete kind of work together. And, um, you know, I'm excited for what the, the future is, is going to be, you know, I think the future's future's bright. Um, so yeah, that was really, really a lot of fun. 
Uh, I think it would, the, the other thing that was interesting kind of, um, and I'm curious to get your, your, both of your feedback on it. It seemed like there was a little bit of difference this year in duels now that it was like, uh, really a part of you know it's officially in on the olympics and everything else duels day definitely seemed to have a little bit of a different uh tone to it at least for other years that i've kind of been a part of at deer valley and obviously this is my first full year going all the different stops but it was definitely um i thought there was a, a different um feel to to duels day for sure yeah, interesting. Interesting. I didn't necessarily sense that as much. I guess I wasn't, uh, you know, just being kind of removed from the sport. Now, I, I definitely didn't clue into that. It was nice to see all, all the duels. I still, uh, I, I am psyched that duels is on the Olympic slate now. That is for sure that that is good news. But I'm a little more, I guess, guarded in my enthusiasm uh, it's interesting. There's still like, for me, a lot of question marks about duels and duels are always fun in the moment, but especially as a coach, I guess more as a coach than as a fan, but mm -hmm. you, you know, it's fun in the moment, but you go home and you kind of watch the video and you evaluate your days. And I never felt good about duels. It's always like a lot of risk. You always <laughs> feel like you kind of got out lucky. You got out of the day unscathed. You felt mm -hmm. lucky. And then you look at the quality of skiing. It's like, oh my God, what all the work we did all last summer. <laughs> and like, it's like all out right the out the window. It's like, God. Uh, but uh, it is fun. It is a fun event. It will be ultimately good for the sport, but uh, there's definitely some fundamental flaws in, in the discipline that we need to watch out for. And I may be in the minority. I know there are lots of flaws, lots of bugs and lots of hiccups with the, uh, the scoring program with that yeah. format that was tried for a few years, but I, I kind of like that part of me thought that there was definitely some value in trying to do it that way. Maybe it was more complicated than it was worth. Maybe it is a better strategy to keep it simple and go like uh, the old way, but there's a lot of flaws in the old way. And mm -hmm. fundamentally at the end of the day for the judges, you really can't watch two, two things at once. So yep. it's just kind of one of those fundamental flaws in the nature of the sport that I just don't know how we get around, but uh, hopefully nothing really bites us in the butt as a sport on the Olympic stage when everybody's watching like, at that <laughs> biggest moment. And there's some obvious blunder, like the wrong guy, the clearly the wrong guy wins. And unfortunately, you know, judge sport, but still we, uh, I, that would be a shame. That would be a shame. It seems to happen from time to time, maybe time, a little yeah. more often than yep. it should. So, well, it's, it's one of those things and I'm curious, like, what do you, if, how the scoring should be on that. And I've had a few different like conversations and because one of the interesting things like watching throughout the season and how, you know, if you're going off that 35 point system, how does it work if you're going to go, okay, somebody's doing double full 10 and you're doing full to like back X and some, how, how much is that? How many points do you get for, if you're a judge and you're giving out your five points, how many points should be just straight DD, whether it's a garbage double full and 10, they're still doing that DD or like, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things of how do you factor that in? Cause clearly if you're going double full 10, someone else is doing a full to like a back X and they're going to, they beat you by two seconds. They get five time points or whatever it is. Yet you're executing much more difficult tricks. Like, I don't know. What do you guys that think? Is a, 
that's a super good question. Super good question. Back before, when I was coaching for Canada, you know, before they started messing around with that other format, when it's out of 35 points, it depended for sure. It was case by case and depending on who you're up against and what their strengths were. But in general, be just keep it simple. Go big, try to ski away clean and keep it simple. Because even if you lose the air, it's there's only two air judges and you're still you're going to lose three to two. Like you're, unless you really blow it, they're not going to go four to one. So you're only giving away two points and you'll get it back on turns. And you, if you, you know, if you're faster than your opponent, you're going to get the speed. And so, you know, keep it simple. It makes no sense unless they're, if they start go like if they really reward the DD in combination with quality and they start to give out more four ones. I didn't, you, they, they just don't do that. You know, they're, they're scared. The judges are scared. They don't want to get yelled at. So three, two is just easy. It's safe. And yeah. I wonder what sort of stipulations maybe they'd have to add into it. If there is like a clear, difference in dd of like okay like it's kind of like if you get into the the pie chart discussion like oh well it was this so the highest i can give is this score like, right okay like this individual did this for airs and you did this like the most air points i can give you is this if the discrepancy is that big like who knows what they might write into the rules that could maybe be a solution but also be a can of worms as well but what is it mogul skiing but a daily you'll always run into a daily can of worms when it comes to <laughs> yeah, it's true when it comes to the judges yeah. if you ask depending on who you ask someone right. will tell you it was great today or it sucked so that's one of yeah. the, the joys and some of the one of the downfalls of of what we do <laughs> so yeah it is cool to hear though from your perspective going back a little bit that um everyone's showing up with a little bit more intensity and sense of competitiveness for the duels day like okay this is like right like some people would show up and be like oh like i hate duels day like it doesn't mean anything like well now it means something like yeah so it is cool that that they're taking it a little bit more seriously that you were seeing from from your perspective being out on the tour and at least that's what yeah i mean it's definitely uh you know now that there's going to be real hardware and it's its own tour again like uh, you know first time since 2003 that it's kind of back to its own own tour so i think it'll be um there's, there's more to, to play for, and it's not kind of a, a throwaway. I'm curious how much that, that strategy and everything else will uh, will change with that. One, I so idea had kind of uh, shuffled around just for duels, just to, just to throw it out there that I thought could be interesting. And it's kind of just, what if you based it all off of, um, off of time? So like first one crosses the line and it's depending on what the time is there, but then uh, say somebody does a double four or 10, they lose time points mm -hmm. and they execute it well. And then for each, like, say you have two or three bumps where you have like big separations, you get time added to that for your mistake. So say like, Hey, all right, that's a 10th of a second added 10th of a second added instead of a 10th of a, right. Instead of, instead of a deduction, you're adding time to it. And then like, okay, you're doing a bigger, you do like a 14 on the top air, you lose, <laughs> even though it takes you more time to do it you execute it well, your time gets decreased. And um, it's just something to throw yeah. out there. I was kind of yeah. like, you know, just a little, little different. So you kind of take it a little bit more out of the judge's hands and you can play around. I, I don't know. I like that, Bobby. I, we, you know, back, uh, back in the day, some of those, the old coaches, judges meetings that, that used to happen on the tour, like when people were just kind of brainstorming and throwing those kind of ideas out. I, I, I like that kind of thinking i i uh the devil's in the details of course you you have to kind of figure it out to make sure that uh it was fair but uh 
I think, you know, extra five seconds to do like <laughs> yeah. 14, yeah. 10 on but top, 14 on bottom, just like really milking the bit of looking like Cordell coming down, like, oh, wow, like putting on a, a PSIA clinic. <laughs> but to, like for me, like when you go head to head, if it's even if one guy's maybe a little bit better technically, but the guy, the, the opponent, maybe he's not quite as good technically, but there's close and there's no big mistakes to separate them. The guy that crosses the finish line first should win for me. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, oh, what, yeah. why are we doing duels? Right. Absolutely. What's the point? Yeah. So I think there should be more, more emphasis on speed and maybe with some harsher consequences for, you know, noticeable breaks, noticeable mistakes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I like that Just, concept, like yeah. put more, put more on the speed. I mean, How do you put more on the speed but get rid of the chooch? <laughs> that is that is a tough one. Is that but there is like part of that is that is an art. There is a part of that that oh, is an art, and you watch some of it, and you're like, hurt. "Oh my god!" Like I cannot believe that person was able to do that from that position. You know, Philip had a few. You know, <laughs> fourth in the world, rookie of the year, unbelievable season for him. Kind of certainly announced his presence, but uh, yeah, he, that was some wild stuff on his end, and him dueling Mick and just watching some of those where. That bottom air is like, dude, you have no is, business you going have upside no down. No right business now. doing this right now. And right to his feet and just like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, yeah. That's, that is a, that is a problem that needs to be solved. And, you know, it was a good, it's smart for the kids to do it. Like it's a good, it's a good strategy. You have to play the game. You right. know, that, right. the way, the way things are kind of working these days, you kind of, if you want to be on the box, you got to play the game and they need to, we need to figure a way out of, of that kind of bad habit, especially like for, for live TV <laughs> showing the side angle, those jumps, like it's, it is kind of embarrassing now. Like it was when guys first started doing that stuff, it was kind of fun. It was, you know, like a neat trick, a, a fun way to get an advantage. Yeah. But now that everybody's doing it every single time and, the TV cameras are on that side side view. It's embarrassing. We need to need to figure our way out of that one. Well, I, I mean, I know we've we, uh, one of the prior times we've been on here. I know I think it was Troy uh, Murphy and, and Hunter Bailey would definitely. Um, at least I think it was both of them. We're talking about how you know it'd be great to have like a a judge's camera in bottom air and top air transition. And, you know, they get one view maybe after the run to be able to see like, okay, how good was your takeoff? And then maybe be able to see a little bit more of that amplitude because it is one of those things like, all right, how much does, especially you take away a little bit in duels. Maybe you shoot, you know, 15 meters down or, the pad, 20 meters down the pad, but you're like foot off the ground. Yeah. Or I know in yeah. some duels, like what if like, right, the urgency to, okay, I need to cross the finish line so first and you rip through the bottom section. What if you got rid of the bottom section? I'm just, this is just spitballing off the top of my head right mm -hmm. now. And like, okay, I I can go big on this bottom air. I can like show off a high DD trick because I'm not racing to the thin, like not trying to get through the bottom section. like Or make the bottom section longer. Or make, make the longer, bottom yeah. section 35 turns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go back to o2 or even nagano olympic bottom section yeah let's get back yeah. to some of those let's see how fast you can straight line that you're not going to be able to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's that's interesting like that came up i know uh a few times in recent years just talking to other coaches and um i think maybe uh you know i 
definitely uh, I'm trying to minimize my social media time these days, but uh, I saw <laughs> um, you know, John Dowling has some interesting ideas yes. uh, that he puts on his uh, Facebook thread there. And I think he, he laid out uh, something along those lines with the longer bottom sections. And I've heard other guys yeah. say that before. And part of me really likes that idea, but I also remember like you go back, you can probably even find some pretty funny examples on YouTube of, you know, back in the day, like for sure, the courses were different animals back then, but you know, those long bottom sections were kind of embarrassing for our spark too. And in, in the same way that some of the bottom airs are now, like, you just saw a lot of really crappy skiing for yeah. a longer amount of time with those longer bottom sections. Guys just trying to fake it and do the wiggly turns, you know, just do the little like the high speed butt wiggle for like 50 or 60 meters. And so I made my living, Rob. All the way through. <laughs> just wiggle it all yeah. the way through. Where's the finish line? I'd be curious. Would, you, would, you, yeah. Yeah. would the skiing be better with longer bottom sections or would would athletes think um, if there was no bottom section, okay, I'm going to take more time to set up for a big bottom air. Well, I think it's the, I mean, it could be the fun thing about uh, at least you would say like the world cup tour, like, okay, it doesn't have to be every event. Why not one event you have a really long bottom section and then another one you, you know, you have a bunch yeah. that are normal, but you know, that, that the couple of events they did like, to, to Brian's suggestion there, like they did that for the 20, 2012, maybe. Didn't 20, they do or, it, always do it when they were doing duels in Russia, like on the scaffolding, there was always no, like, yeah, the section. scaffolding event, there was no mm -hmm. bottom, but in France too. Uh, oh, oh yeah, Bichette, they did right? it. Cup finals that one, year, one yeah. year, they tried that idea in, in France for World Cup finals. I, it would be interesting to retry that concept, but with a more, mogul like yeah. bottom air still instead of what they try to do um even on the scaffolding to a certain degree the, the moscow world cup finals uh, you overbuild this great big table on the bottom air and then there's there's no moguls at the end but what happened in france in particular was that the table was so big like the girls couldn't even make the landing mm -hmm. the girls you know world cup girls they were not they there's only a couple of girls that even made the landing and the guys had to go so fast. They had to ski so straight mm -hmm. and so fast to get that air that it was dangerous. Like if you made it off the jump, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But if you took an edge and fell down when you're trying to go, you know, guys are skiing like 15 meters per second into that bottom <laughs> air just to make the landing. And you take an edge and go down hard. And then of course for live TV, it starts, you know, trainings always when it's soft, nice spring skiing, but yeah. then, okay, it's TV time now. So we got to start this at eight o'clock and it's still like super crusty, <laughs> right. rock hard. You take an edge, like kids will get hurt. Mm -hmm. But I think you could do like that concept again, like Brian's suggesting, but with a more normal kind mm -hmm. of mogul bottom air, it would be interesting to kind of retry that just and see, you know, maybe there's other flaws that we're not thinking of, but uh, it would be worth the experiment, I think. Yeah, I definitely think that I mean, especially you have the time to be able to play with it and see how much, I mean, because I do think there is going to be an impact. I, I'm not sure we know it exactly yet of having duels in the Olympics, you know, because it is going to be judged differently. It is separate, like how much, you know, as, as you talked about, is it ruining athletes technique and everything else just to send it straight to get across that line. But it's, uh, so I'm curious how much it's going to evolve and kind of uh change our sport because i mean one thing that is uh 
fantastic about duels is it's an unbelievable spectator sport. You know, you can't tell me there's not a better, you know, singles has got its own uh, thing to it, but when you get two people going head to head and uh, it's, it's pretty fun and exciting to watch it be at the bottom and just like, wow, there is not much technique, but this is still pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty cool. It is always fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I think that'll, that'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. That'll have a little bit of uh of a change to things for sure. Uh, let's see in uh, for you guys, just overall, like what um, any surprises looking over some of the results, any things that um, that you kind of didn't see coming or um, what do you think? Um, I guess you're not surprised with mixed dominance, but you, you kind of are surprised. You're like, right. When's, when's the shoe going to drop? Like when, like, come on, like, <laughs> <laughs> but that is it's a surprise but not a surprise but um it was also good to see a lot of um some of the the younger um kind of athletes on the male side starting to to make a name for themselves it wasn't the kind of the same podium or even top five top six you had a, a lot of different players in there top six um and a lot of maybe some rookies on the tour or people that have been on the tour one or two years like it's, it's cool to see that that next wave might be coming but until mixer had handed over it's still his yeah, there's yeah. some good skiing. One of, I mean, it's too bad that uh, that Lars isn't on the call tonight because one of my favorite runs was uh, Landon's run in the F1 at World Cup Finals. Yeah, that was a great and run. That was that was special. That was a that was a special performance, and uh, it was nice to see that kid finally figure it out. I was able to to watch him ski uh, here at Apex for the NORAM and um for sure with him you sit there and train you're like oh this kid's got it like this yeah yeah it was cool to see yeah put it together in that run yeah he skied skied really really well it was nice to see and you know you saw bits and pieces of it you know this was um in ruka and idre you know he had kind of had some some pieces of runs that were really really great and then to kind of see him um peak at that event and be able to be able to get that done i mean i think that brings uh hopefully a lot of confidence for lando and hopefully he can kind of carry that into the next next couple seasons so it was definitely yeah that's for sure yeah you guys probably know him uh, much better than me I don't really know him but he seems like a real nice kid and I was the same exactly like you said Brian I was watching like not not this year even but the year before at the Apex Norm and I'm well this guy's gonna win like this guy's gonna win by a mile like nobody's gonna touch this kid the way he's training and then friggin like god I can't remember specifically what he did there but like this is this, is, God. this kid makes it from there to there this is everyone fighting for that kid. <laughs> so yeah that that was pretty cool and that that run at uh too bad he couldn't do it again in the f2 but that f1 run was uh that was a special special run you don't see very many of those um that was for me that was really similar to phil marquis in 2014 like phil killed it but in the wrong round <laughs> <laughs> he was the f1 he finished second and he kind of had one of to that stage in his career, he had probably the best run of his career at uh, at the Olympic Games, but in the wrong round. But uh, still, very uh, kind of similar kind of similar kind of performance. Great performance, maybe not quite quite at the wrong time. Could have had like a little bit of a break or something, a little step out in the F one, and then done that perfect, flawless, <laughs> beautiful run in the F two. But uh, but really, either way, nice to see for that kid. Hopefully. Hopefully he can keep it rolling into next year. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I think he's he's certainly got the talent, and yeah, super good kid, uh, hard worker, and it'll be good to to see him kind of keep uh, keep progressing, you know. And I think uh, on the women's side, you know, to see uh, Ali Masuga come out, uh, Rob, your son Josh, done a fantastic job, and and Brian and Caleb uh, really putting uh, her to to good work, and really just crushed it all year long. I mean, kind of ran away with the with the Noram tour and skied great at world coming. I think she got fourth at that last duels event in Almaty. I mean, it was really fun to watch Allie come out and just kind of continue to progress and build. And it was pretty, uh, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. They seem like, uh, she seems like a, a very nice young lady as well. And I, I was able to meet, you know, Josh's group at, uh, at the apex Noram here. And I think he's, he's loving his life. He's loving his job these days. And uh, that whole U.S. team right now, I know probably um, some like the boys, like for Nick and Cole, they're probably maybe just minorly disappointed with their year. Still some fantastic performances, but uh, boy, I'd be, I'd be pretty excited if I were uh, that coaching staff, Caleb and Brian, like they got some, some talented, talented kids and pretty deep, you know, pretty deep on the women's side as well. And, Hopefully they can figure it out and keep uh, keep moving in the right direction. But there's certainly some talent there. Yeah, and even coming up a little bit, you had Dylan pop in there. Not to make it too U.S. centric, but it's I mean it's it's cool to see. Yeah, Nick and Cole are young, but there's even another young one coming up the pipeline. And the girls on the girl side, they just continue to remain deep and dominant. Lemley, uh, we all knew she had some standout performances last year, and Absolutely. then to follow up with being top five in the world. Um, was super impressive um so and then talk about um dominance when jakar is on she's she yeah, she's i know it didn't work out for her at, at world champs but when when she's on she's one too like oh i'm, I'm still in perine like those two yeah we'll hand it over when we're ready but it's those two and um and then you get Henri coming up i mean on, on the women's yeah. side it is pretty fun to to be at the bottom and, and watch, you know, there's a few events, you know, training and, and contest runs where you're looking up and you're like, what dude is that? I'm like, Oh no, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. a girl just absolutely yeah. shredding that middle section. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. pretty fun to, to watch kind of that, that top level and see the the progression there and see how much faster they're skiing and aggressive and, and some of the jumping and, and stuff like that. It, it's definitely makes you do a double take a few times when you're watching the training or, you know, you're watching a few qualities runs, finals, super finals. Like those, those girls at the top are definitely um, really, really progressing well and, and skiing super well. I mean, Perrine, the end of the season was really nice. You know, it was kind of interesting to watch her go through some uh, ebbs and flows. I would say for her, you know, it seemed like she was kind of missing some things towards the towards the beginning of the season. Maybe not quite as much as she wanted to, but I know that. Um, I mean, she really finished the year super, super well. And I know from talking to um, Hannah a little bit earlier in the season uh Kearney she had interviewed Perrine about you know for one of the events or whatever and um because I believe she was doing commentary for NBC or CNBC something like that and she was just saying that Perrine was really trying to peak for world championships you know she was really trying to build for obviously that that big event and she definitely uh went in and and ran away with it you know it was pretty uh yeah, fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a, yeah. an upward trajectory for her this year. Yeah. It's also great to see uh, Jalen back up that sec that silver from last year with with some more world chant medals. Like absolutely, she's, she's another one that it's a, it's always exciting to watch her come down. 
And uh, yeah, one of the she's... new exciting ones was uh, definitely Flip um, Philip from yeah, from oh Virginia. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely put everyone <laughs> on notice on the Nor- on the Europa Cup tour last year, and to to make the jump from from Europa Cup to World Cup and have some success. Um, there's another team that like, oh, Walter's young, but guess what? I mean, we still even make him younger and, and good. <laughs> so did you watch him at, you saw him yeah, at Europa Cup? Um, I was over there for a couple, um, world cups last for Europa Cups last year and, uh, at two events and he walked away with some hardware and even in, um, the event kind of right after the Olympics when, when Walter won, um, there was a, a, a duels event in downtown Stockholm and, uh, he was taking them down left and right <laughs> all those boys that, i'm sure they were a little bit tired and you know maybe um for for more than one reason coming straight from the olympics and having to ski a downtown duels event but um still um he was he kind of put the world on notice and uh followed it up this this year yeah those guys are doing a good job they're uh you know one thing that was nice a nice surprise uh for me i had heard just kind of through the grapevine that that Lasse was retiring and uh so it was nice a nice surprise to see him at the at the in the start gate with uh some of his his skiers and uh you know those guys him and harold they're they're doing a good job with that swedish team they have a good team dynamic those guys work hard they're pretty fearless and uh, i think there's a few of those a few other those swedish kids that uh they're going to be in the game in a few years and uh yeah they're definitely definitely a, a team like to have some guys that are kind of semi under the radar and then all of a sudden boom just yeah. uh, kids like yeah like this is it philip i can't uh yeah philip yep yep Gra- Gra- grabbing force i think grabbing grabbing force right grabbing force yeah he's yeah he's pretty rough around the edges still but yeah a couple more years just to really mm-hmm. clean things up and yeah he could be he could be pretty darn good and then uh albin Holmgren, mm-hmm. I think yeah. you get, you know, I think Alvin, he got a podium right. last year, but I think yeah. he got yeah. hurt and wasn't able. And then I think Ludwig, Ludwig retired. He, he kind of hurt himself uh, in Ruka earlier this year, kind of battled through some stuff. And I think he I think finally. Alvin's older brother too um, retired maybe after last season. Um, yeah. Again. Emil, I think. But then. he's on the coaching staff too, um, okay. his father and uh, super good dude. And Felix, I think uh, is coaching for Sweden too. Olofsson? Um, I, I think so. So, you know, Hey man, you were I'd be asking yeah, yeah you would know so no, i didn't see <laughs> i didn't see him at any of the world but i'm pretty sure he's i think he's coaching uh yeah maybe the development team or or something like that i think he's he's around but yeah no that team's um it's fun to these guys are fun to watch harold and lasse and i think lasse has got to be coming back right yeah I think if he's if he was in there this year, he'll be in there for at least for, for know, at the least next three right. years still. And Walter was able to get you know for Walter, he had a fantastic year, especially considering I think he broke his his arm and kind of missed the first first couple events and kind of missed some of that uh, preseason training before Ruka, and then really started to come on strong towards the end of the season. Got his first his first World Cup win in uh, I think it was Val Saint Combe, but yeah, he got his first. right that's right yeah um you know many obviously he's got that gold medal but he finally got his first uh first world cup victory and yeah that was kind of also in hostile territory yeah yes hostile territory (laughs) to take mick down in the final like that that i i didn't i didn't uh specifically talk to mick about that but that must have stung a little bit that's happened before (laughs) i I remember being in trivlot when akuma won 
and uh yeah that was like oh well that that was a curveball we didn't see going but exciting <laughs> yeah. nonetheless yeah no yeah sure. nakumo is an interesting one too like for sure he had some great performances but uh you know consistency eluded oh, yeah. him mm-hmm. yeah. and i feel like he must be must have been managing some some injuries maybe you know a little bit bobby i don't i, I think he had a couple a couple like nagging things but i mean it was really just kind of trying to get as you say like some of that consistency i mean some of his runs that you just saw in training or qualify i mean you were just like damn like yeah. that is just unbelievable i mean some of his training runs from world championships you're like okay if he's if he's going to consistently do this uh it, it's like look out he, world put he put everybody on notice with some of i mean i think it was like either first or second run of the first training at world championships he went like you know double fold to like 10 and it was just like he is a freak <laughs> yeah. like i we were in whistler last year and he was doing left and right side tens and you're like what like <laughs> yeah yeah just out having fun, yeah, just out, having out, fun. Out, out loving it for sure. There's there's no question. Definitely the passion. And it's always fun. Yeah. To, to he watch is, him he and... is a bit of a freak. And I I saw some of that stuff. I remember the kids were talking about it. And yeah. was, I was in Whistler for a few days there too. And kids were talking about it. And I was kind of watching, kind of trying to look over there. And I never did see any of that stuff. But, uh, but boy, that other, the, instagram post he put from jumping down at uh the olympic park down there oh yeah oh, like yeah. that i didn't like that one i didn't, <laughs> I don't like to see that that one that was dumb if you want to be the world champion yeah. you don't do that again because you're lucky that you walked out of the pool on your own on that day like you're too good to be messing around like trying to do like a friggin quintuple <laughs> off the aerials jump like that you you're just asking for it. That's that's too much. For me. If I'm Yane, if I'm his coach, you're you're riding the bench for a couple of weeks, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you're a friggin' Akuma or Wayne Kresge or whoever. You're riding <laughs> like that's. I didn't like to see that one. I, that kind of that's that's risking too much. Yeah, no. Maybe uh, that's me being the grumpy old man on the panel here, but uh, <laughs> that's that's too much for me. As long as he, you know, he, he well, got he got out of the pool all right and everything, but it was definitely, uh, yeah. I, wild wild move but he was doing like on the ramps he was doing right side i mean he would do everything to left then he'd go do everything to the right i mean he was trying to do both ways like right side double full left side double full right side 10 left side 10 right side 14 left side 14 it's like being a pitcher and being like yeah yeah i'll throw this way today this way this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah crazy crazy and then obviously the um one of the great stories and been fun to watch the last couple of years definitely the feel-good story for me at least was watching avatar get two-thirds at, at world champs just um knowing someone personally and like it goes to show there's no substitute for hard work coming back from injury coming back from switching teams there's a laundry list of things that's gone over the past couple of years so that that was pretty awesome towards the end of the year to see someone that's been working that hard have have two great days and follow it up next year yeah yeah definitely definitely good it was fun uh fun way to end the season for her she definitely peaked and uh hopefully keep keep working hard and there's going to be more more hardware at least that's the that's the plan yeah you get that <laughs> yeah, faster, coach. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. As, a, as a joke I, you know i haven't slept on the couch too many times with her you know, <laughs> gotta ask only a couple times you know <laughs> yeah. yeah no it was definitely a, a 
good world championships. And I thought that like overall the event in Georgia was run like super, super well. I thought the course, uh, obviously having like no expectations, they didn't really have a test event or anything like that. And, um, it definitely went pretty, I mean, it was smooth course was good. And, um, yeah, I thought everything kind of went off with, without a hitch. I thought, uh, I, you know, there were all the athletes, like the course, I don't think there was really too much like hemming and hawing about, you know, like this top air is terrible, this bottom air is terrible. You know, I mean, the course was pretty um, consistent, all the lines. And I think it's it's kind of interesting having that extra, um, the extra training thrown in there, which I know they have at the Olympics, they have at other, but I know in talking in the past with like Jeff Good, who used to be the uh, former coach for the head coach for the U.S. ski team. Uh, he talks about how there always used to be, you know, you'd have like four or five days, like at a course. So you could really go in. Yeah. You used to be able to have like, you know, training used to be a lot more than just like, okay, you have like two days, you get your runs in, you find your line. And then it's like go time. And they were moving on to the next place. So I think it's, it's kind of interesting to um, find that little bit of difference in having like a little bit more training and, and what that can kind of do. I mean, I know, especially this past season, how tight the schedule, I mean, we had four, four world cup events in about 10 days. So, I mean, uh, in between Idrifiel and Altuez getting everybody home TV schedule, all that stuff. I mean, that was definitely like a wild, um, turnaround of travel, trying to not lose your ski bags, trying to not, I mean, it was like pretty, yeah, uh, that's tough. Wild that's tough. For, for the athletes and for the coaches to try to, I mean, make it from one event to the next. I think the, the, um, Idre ended on a Sunday and then training was Tuesday in France was the first day of training. So you yeah. Monday was your travel day. Then you trained the next two days and then competed. I mean, it was definitely like, you know, you think of all the other sports and all the money that goes into it, all the, the time and preparation. I mean, obviously you guys know traveling and, and putting in that dedication in your athletes to be at their best and perform at their highest level or only such a small amount of events, you know, there's 14, 12 events a year. And to have like that is, just seems like there's got to be a better, a better solution. I'm all for more events and everything else and trying to grow the sport, but like, yeah. seems like there's got to be a, a, a better solution to that. Yeah. You, you do that rookie to China flight with your fingers crossed to 14 hours. <laughs> your shit's going to make it on the other end. That's for sure. I hope my yeah, shit makes for it. Sure. Yeah. So, and there's so many variables that are out of your control. And at the same time, yeah. like your travel planning is almost as important as your on-heel coaching, like mm -hmm. for performance, it's so it becomes such a critical factor. And when I was first hired with the Canadian team, like my first four years with, with Bobby Aldegary, it was, uh, there were still like most events had you show up and there's kind of unofficial training on the courses for a couple extra days. Mm -hmm. So you get, get extra training and, uh, I think you wouldn't want to do that necessarily at every single event, but you know, the kids are better prepared and uh, their evolution as skiers, especially your younger kids, like they, they're, they're going to continue to develop and evolve as well. Like with that extra training, as well as the courses themselves, like so many courses now just, they get catted in the night before. Yeah. And then, you know, athletes are out there and it, you're, trying to ski on these super square messed up totally unnatural contours mm -hmm. and you know it's sort of you know sometimes it sort of gets skied in by the time you have to compete but sometimes like we we skied we competed on some pretty 
some pretty messed up stuff, some pretty unnatural moguls yeah. over the years. And I think there is a lot to be said to, you know, trying to respect the fact that, you know, the, the roots of the sport are come from what happens to a ski slope when it doesn't get groomed and, you know, you don't necessarily have to cat in moguls all the time. And if we had, uh, you know, if they're going to go that route, then just to allow for, uh, a little more preparation, like have a little hot bit of a higher standard in how the courses are built and like having people ski them in before the world cup field gets there. And like, instead of leaving that to the kids that are actually competing and then you're, you know, the quality of your training, you're not sometimes maybe it was better for you this year, Bobby, I don't know, but so many of those times you're not really training. You're just kind of skiing in the course and, mm-hmm. and trying to get it to a, a safe, usable place. And, I can remember like the worst case and it's nobody's fault, but one of the, the worst events ever for that was, uh, was, you know, early in mixed career. It was, uh, sometime, sometime after 2010, but Lake Placid, Lake Placid world cup. And they catted it in right before official training. And then the next day it was like minus 50 with a wind chill of minus 80. So the ski hill of course didn't open. So you lose the first day of training cause it's too cold. And the second day of training it was still freaking cold and the cat, the cats got stuck together in the finish area of the mobile course. They somehow locked their blades and they couldn't <laughs> move. The cats. Oh, shit. <laughs> so then we lost half of the second day of training. And then, so then you got to compete at singles the next day and the courses, like there's still like cookies this big and all the moguls. Wow. And remember nobody could ski the course. It was like the TV must've been horrific from that event. And I remember Mick did win. And still, you know, Pat Deneen was probably the top U.S. guy and he's trying to ski his usual run. And you're just like, it's, you yeah. you guys know what it's like trying to ski a course when it's still like the cat's just been through. And then, you know, people have barely gone through there with any shovels or any side slip in, and you're trying to ski a mobile course. It was kind of like that yeah. for a World Cup. And that's the extreme example. But, you know, more care should be put into courses. So if they're going to be artificially built, like at least have enough skier traffic. Right. on those courses beforehand so that by the time kids actually the kids that are competing are actually on that course it's it's going to have somewhat of a, a natural contour to the turns yeah no i mean i think that that i mean especially back in the day like for running uh deer valley world cup and helping out with that i mean we would be out a week before the you know it used to it, yeah i mean it used to be like a week before the event and you would everything would come up like nice and slow and you you would ski it in and I mean, I think that also creates a little bit of that variety. Like if you have, uh, I, I do think it is a little bit of like a disservice to those high performing athletes that they come in and they have to spend the first day and a half of training, just skiing the thing in, you know, even if you have a lower cal- caliber of, um, athlete, at least going through slowly skiing it in and maybe that throws in a double turn, or maybe it throws in a little bit of a change. I mean, the end of the day that is our sport and if there are a couple challenges you have to deal with then you know the best skiers are going to be able to adapt or switch lines or that that's part of the the challenges that happen but I feel like going out through the season there definitely was each course was like they want it to be perfect so it's like okay we'll put the bumps in let all the athletes ski it so it's only athlete only world cup athletes are getting to touch the course and, and skiing it in and there's a part where it's like oh tough it's a tough draw elements are always a thing especially Mm -hmm. on the east coast like sometimes the only solution is to build it the night before if you're like okay we're gonna get rain we're gonna get this all right like if we build it this day it's gonna be gone by this day like elements are always a thing but 
how do you get some of your local skiers? I know that was one thing they do here very well um, is, okay, we're building it a week before and the, the local clubs are allowed on it to get kind of start doing the shaping, start getting all those rough cut out of the, the cat tread marks and whatnot um so how to how to do that i guess no, that's that's the thing too like for you know and you guys are probably a little bit spoiled being so close to that venue but that was the great thing about always going to deer valley you know like there's so many great things about that event and it really was and is you know like the super bowl of our sport for us it was so nice to go there every year and it's it's always so well done and the very first thing is that course you kind of get back to you get on champion at Deer Valley and it's like, oh yeah, this is what mobile skiing is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the course was always so well prepared and there's no, you know, not a trace left from the groomer having built that course. It's like, it's mobiles yeah. and it's people have skied them, you know, it's been skied in and you get there and it's like, you know, maybe not perfect every, every year. Like there's always like Brian Sam, like there's always stuff beyond your control with the weather, like, but by and large they've got it figured out at deer valley and it's just it was such a pleasure for the athletes to get to a course like that and just show up and you know be on that stage and and just get get to work how do you have like a prerequisite if you're going to hold the world cup you must have like a club team this <laughs> like club team has to be in it on this day of course it needs to be built by this day your club team like can ski it in like give them that experience just so it's the betterment of the athletes down the road it's not like you're like a baseball player, you're expected to cut the grass before you start playing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, uh, yeah. we were talking a little bit. Got to throw some gas in yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> um, gas in the long we run. Ta- right, we were talking a little <laughs> hockey before the podcast yeah. started with all the Canadian hockey teams uh, taking the ice in the playoffs. Like, hey, can you zamboni this before you guys, you know, drop the puck? <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of, I know uh, we got some hockey. We got some things to get to. So, some, um, but it, it was good to at least get you, get uh, the band back together, catch up a little bit, and talk a little uh, talk a little bit more. April twenty six picks. April <laughs> April twenty. Yeah, you want to pick uh, get your picks pick for next drink. season. <laughs> no, I think maybe we'll in the fall. You know, we we'll let let some things kind of settle out a little bit more, but. Um, uh, any final thoughts, uh, just about to through over the whole season that we kind of haven't, uh, touched on men's women's side, uh, before we depart, also, uh, uh, Mr. Zemba, uh, it'd be interesting to see the evolution of duels, um, how that continues to go. I know at junior worlds, they ended with a team duels event. Um, so that was kind of cool to see, um, and see what that mm-hmm. may transpire to in the world cup. Um, and then, yeah, will the shoe drop for for some of the top dogs? When will the next kind of wave start? Um, when will it start evening out? <laughs> I'll put it that even I shouldn't say even out. When will it become like you know seventy five, like twenty five, of who's who's leaving uh, with that top box spot? I think if Mick, Ben, and uh, Matt have anything to say about it, it's not going to be for a while, at least until it's, they're yeah, done. They're going to keep be, fending everybody off, tough. at least on that on that men's side. They're going to make sure that. Right. And I think on, on the women on the women's side too, I think Jakar, Perrine, they're going to try their best on uh, to fend fend everybody off, and uh, they're going to hold on to that to the peak to, to that mountaintop for as uh, for as long as possible. Yeah, it will be interesting. I think, like Brian saying, I think some of these guys inevitably i think even next year we'll start to see 
a little more variability in that kind of top six, top eight, mm -hmm. um, especially on the guy's side. Mm -hmm. The girls, the girls is going to be tougher. Like if you look at the top 10 um, on the women's side now, I think that's going to be a tougher, a tougher kind of field to mix up. But on the guy's side, if you look like those top guys, I think you're right, Bobby, they're going to be there. But I think we'll start seeing more like the, the Knicks and the Coles pop in mm -hmm. to the onto the podium here and there. Um, I think like after having such a great Olympics, I was a little bit bummed that uh, that Cooper mm -hmm. didn't have a couple more kind of top sixes on the World Cup tour this year. I think he's definitely got it in him. There's that other Australian kid that popped in the top uh, 10. Uh, I didn't uh, even. J Jackson, yeah, Harvey. Jackson Harvey. I, yep. I, he wasn't even really on my radar before this year before I don't don't even really know him but uh you know uh hopefully a couple of our Canadian boys can get back in there yeah. it'd be nice to see some more Canadian content and not just have Mick carry carry our whole country on his shoulders <laughs> we know they're on the Noram level they represented quite well yeah and Norham you had uh Julian Vale yep. he had a good uh he had some good stuff he got Gab who's always uh skied and I think on the women's side you know uh Maya Schwinghammer obviously skied uh super well at the end of the season Val St. Combe she skied well and then uh Berkeley I think you know I think she had some injuries she was kind of battling a little bit um with so I think I think they'll definitely be a little bit of uh of resurgence uh there as well and julian and there are some younger guys kind of coming up and yeah there's there are some young guys coming up and uh i think uh there's definitely potential there's definitely definitely some potential so there there is some hope for for canada moving forward but uh they got their work cut out for them so hopefully they're willing to to, and, to yeah. dig in and get it done here this summer i think so i think for uh for everybody it's always uh back to work right i think the uh or the Australian crew is going to be uh, ready and raring. George Murphy had a good, uh, he got, he had a good end to his, his yeah. world championships end. He had his uh, top 20 at your value, which is great. And then Jackson Harvey, Jacko, which you guys were touching on. He's, he's definitely uh, just, just kind of getting started. And I think for Cooper, I mean, Cooper really ended the season well at world championships, kind of had kind of, he built throughout the year, battled a few different things. And I think, um, Moving forward, the future's future's going to be bright, especially with with Matt and they got a hard ass of a coach. So hopefully, we'll see what pans out. <laughs> Come on, I'm a softie. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, uh, thanks for taking the time, guys. Uh, who do we got? Who's the other Rangers going to win? Oof, I don't know. Who's going to win know. the Stanley Cup? Well, we have the last. I mean, I know we got the playoffs here. I'm going Islanders. I Islanders are clearly yeah. beating Carolina. <laughs> The Roken is not going to allow another goal the rest of the playoffs, and they're going to Lord Stanley yeah. Cup. I'd like it. to obviously see the Rangers. Um, they were close last year, right, making it to the Eastern Eastern Finals. Um, and if not them, then a Canadian team. Like, doesn't matter, but, like, it's about time. Like, Edmonton looks I'm sick. I, I'm sick of seeing, like, a Florida team win hockey. I know. Like, come That's on. Like, I don't think it's going to be a Florida team this year. <laughs> no. I, I, if I had – I'm betting. I, I think I'm still going to put my money on the Bruins this year. That's that would true. be yeah, my third. Like just to see that type of season. My my heart is with oh, yeah. the Oilers for sure. My heart is with the Oilers. But but uh, if, if history has anything to say about it, though, I mean the Bruins are going to be lucky if they make it out of the first round, right? Like uh, I think that's why I think like the last two or three teams that have had all the points always lose the. That's the way the first round going right now. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Well, uh, thank you guys for taking the time. I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Uh, let's do it again in the not too distant future. We won't wait so long uh, next time. Make sure we were able to pen everything in. But uh, thank you guys very much.
Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks. Good seeing thanks you. Thanks for having us. All right. Bye, everybody. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And if you're watching or listening on YouTube, please make sure you hit that bell button so you get notified every time a new episode drops. Thanks. Thanks.